If you're saving for retirement, if you're saving for a big event in your life, it's unlikely that income and cash is going to do all that for you and fulfill those financial dreams or goals that you've got. Because the only thing that you're going to get back on interest in a really low interest environment, investing really is the only way that you're going to be able to financially support yourself for the rest of your life. This is Jill Jackson, Managing Director of Investment Platform, The Big Exchange, an investment platform focused on bringing about social and environmental changes. Her mission is to help people get started with investing while seeing how their own money can benefit from their financial futures as well as the world at large. Jill's career in the investment and asset management industry spans over 25 years. Working from the ground up, she's now one of the most senior women in finance. In this episode, you'll hear just about how committed and passionate she is about making sure we all learn more about investing and do so without any regrets. 52% of women have never held an investment product compared to 37% of men. This has a direct impact on their level of wealth as well as their retirement pots. I often hear things like, but investing is like gambling, it's too risky, it's something only for the rich. These misconceptions sadly give people anxiety and insecurity, preventing them from investing. Whether we like it or not, the truth is that if we want to reach our long-term goals, we have to think about growing our savings. I'm Emily Bele, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre Rich, and host of The Wallet. I loved our conversation with Jill because we talked about how can we get started with investing, what investing really is and isn't, and how to better understand market risk and volatility. We talked about shares, funds, building a portfolio, but also why time in the market and thinking long-term is key. We also discussed the importance of diversity in the financial industry and having role models, the role investment platforms can play in democratizing investing even more, and making sure consumers like us feel empowered and knowledgeable. Please note that the information made available on this podcast is provided for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. Also, if you're investing money, make sure it's for the long term, you understand the risks, that you have done your own research and you understand what you're investing in. If you have any questions, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor. Uh, good morning, Jill. Morning, Emily. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Surviving like the rest of us, just about. <sighs> yeah, with with homeschooling. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time. You know, this morning, I wanted to have a chat with you, and and we've had a long conversation last week about investing and also like women and investing. So that's going to be our main topic for today, investing in the stock market, how to do it, why it's so important, especially for women. But I wanted to start by, you know, listening to your, your journey, maybe where you come from. I mean, you've been working in, in finance for maybe 25 years. You worked in investment, in asset management, and you're now the managing director of the big exchange. So for me, this is an investment platform. So you're helping people, you know, get into investments, the financial market by offering them, you know, selection of funds. So you're really helping people to, you know, get started investing in the stock market. And the difference for me, your platform offers impact. So they offer people, you know, 
a chance to, with their money, have a positive social and environmental impact. So we'll also discuss that today during the podcast. But first of all, if you could tell me, you know, why? <laughs> why finance? Why have you spent so much time working in finance? And, and you know, what, what is your, your journey? Sure, Emily. I, w I wish I could tell you that, you know, as a child, I had this long burning desire to work in financial services <laughs> for, for uh, a long time. But like most people, that was never kind of something that factored into my thinking. And probably if I think on it now, I was probably not dissimilar to most kids that when you're 17, you don't really, you're not 100% sure of what you want to do. One thing that I was sure that I didn't want to do was I didn't want to leave school and go straight to university so I wanted to get a job straight from school and start to see what was going on in the real world so I left school and applied for and at the time when I left school these school leaver schemes and financial services companies you could walk in and have your pick of you know many they're sadly they're not um, as easy to come by these days And I joined a company called Scottish Amicable Investment Managers on a school leavers program. And it was it was such a great experience. I loved it. It was uh, from the minute that I stepped into the office, I really enjoyed it. I met some really good people. There was lots of opportunities to learn. They put you through exams. You got to learn on the job. And that really appealed to me. And I was always from the first day that I arrived, one of the first jobs that I got given to do was the post bag arrived and I got tipped out. and. There was hundreds and hundreds of checks attached to tear-off slips from the newspaper. And it was people sending in checks for like £2,000 to invest in what used to be called personal equity plan, which is essentially an ISA these days. And I just, I was fascinated that people would even do that, would, you know, send their hard-earned money in and, you know, through the post and invest it. And from that moment on, I just really got involved in, you know, what investing was, I learned, you know, learned everything that I could possibly know. I was thirsty for information. But the one thing that always struck me and given the subject of the podcast today, it's interesting is that the majority of those checks were coming from men. Yeah. And when women were investing, it tended to be as part of a husband and wife activity. There was very like next to no women investing that were on their own. And I think that that kind of piqued my interest as to why I would be excluded from that. So yeah, that's that that was the start of my journey. And I've gone on to do numerous different jobs in asset management, got really involved in ethical investments, impact investments. I've always been fascinated by how your money can make you a financial return, but also create some positive impact for the world. So my new role at the big exchange is very fitting because it's two of the things that I really enjoy the most about financial services, retail customers investing money and retail customers being interested in investing their money to create, you know, that triple bottom line. So a return for them, a return for society, a return for the planet. That's a, a whistle stop tour. But yeah, I never, I never thought when I was 17 years old, I'd be sitting here talking to you about having worked in financial services for this length of time. But I don't regret any of that. And I've, I've, lo I've loved my time in financial services. I mean, what I love in your, in your mission with the, the big exchange is really trying to democratize investment and, you know, helping everyone to just get started investing. So maybe we'll talk about, you know, I mean, most people are, are, are saving money or at least trying to save money. And, and they think that keeping 
your money in cash is actually safe and they don't want to, you know, gamble it or, you know, whatever it is, invest it in the stock market. So why is it actually important to invest money? I think for me, I mean, if you'd asked me this when I started out in investment, I would have been very much in that camp of, you know, keep cash because at least you know exactly how much money you've got and you can keep it, you know, you can get access to it. And I think over the years, the biggest thing that unites us all, right, is that if you're saving for retirement, if you're saving for a big event in your life, it's unlikely that income in cash is going to do all that for you and fulfill those financial dreams or goals that you've got because cash obviously just the amount the only thing that you're going to get back on interest in a really low interest environment investing really is the only way that you're going to be able to financially support yourself for the rest of your life and I think as long as people are willing to take that longer term view with investments take any 10-year period in the stock market and it will outdo cash returns. So I think it's more of a mind shift to get yourself away from believing that cash is risk-free because depending on what you want to achieve in your life, when you want to retire, how you want to retire, there is risk associated with staying in cash alone. And all of us are investors, right? Most people anyway will have a pension. They're already investors. They're just not necessarily, they don't connect the two things. If you've got a pension through your work, then you're an investor already. I would always recommend that people find out more about their pension as a starting point because then they get familiar with investments through that way, through that route. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's 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 surprising. But I also read a piece of research saying that most people don't actually know that their pension is actually invested um, in the stock market. So, it's, you know, it's definitely is. And, and you should go and, and check it out, speak to your HR, open your pension statements, check your, your logins. So I guess you started investing early and maybe you, you, you know, you changed in terms of your, your view of investing, your, your investment philosophy. Can, can you tell me? how you invest today and, and, and what, you know, shaped your maybe investment strategy or philosophy? How, how do you do it? Yeah, I think it would be easy to assume that I started out my investment journey early <laughs> because I'm in financial services. But I would say that I didn't start out early enough, Emily, because I probably had the same approach that I just talked about there in terms of, you know, thinking I've, I've worked hard to earn that money. I don't have a huge, you know, I'm not really wealthy. So should I really be an investor? So I think for starters, I would say starting early is absolutely key. Even if it's a small amount, starting early is really important because the longer you're in the market, the better the outcome. And I did not start investing early enough. I mean, my idea when I started out working was like an investment was a pair of denims or like a fashion item, right? So yeah. I had a long way to go to that. And thankfully I did change that, but I do wish that I had started out a bit earlier. And when I'm talking to my niece and nephew now who are, you know, early twenties, I'm saying to them, you know, have a think about investing as soon as you can, even although it feels like an alien thing to do at the moment. I did exactly that. I, I looked at my pension. I thought, can I put extra money into my pension? Yes, you can. So I could put extra money into my pension and my employer would match it. Where am I putting that money? You know, if I'm avoiding certain things in life, why would I then invest any money in it? So that that would be the first thing that that's the first thing that I did. I think over time, the biggest thing that's changed for me is I'm willing to take more risk. So yeah. I think at first I started out, even although I knew I was investing the money for the long term, 
I what you know, I, w- I was investing it with the intention that it was, you know, for something much further away, you know, 10, 20, even longer years out. I was really cautious, even although I worked in that world, worried about losing money. So over the years, I've got my head around that actually taking more risk when you're investing money for the longer term. I mean, even now, I'm what, 44. It's unlikely I'll retire before I'm 65. My pension's still got another 20 years plus because it still remains invested after to be invested. So that's really long term. For me, that's the biggest thing is that I've been more comfortable about taking more risk. And that's an experience thing and looking at the returns on something that's lower risk and thinking, you know, I could have got more on that. So I think it's really a confidence thing. Um, And I don't think that's dissimilar for most people. I think if you start early and dip your toe in the water and really get to grips with where you're going to. Yeah, I think for me, the risk and also the purpose is the two biggest changes for me over time is I'm willing to take more risk and I'm also quite fussy about where I would put my money. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about risk and, and, and volatility and I think it's a good time. You know, the I mean, this week the, 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 we've seen a lot of things happening in the market. But your point on, on purpose, this is really important and that's something I've seen with, you know, the, the Vespot community and women tend to be very interested in, you know, impact investing, ethical investing. That's a subject we've often covered. And do you think that's going to be a way for maybe more women to actually get started investing because they know that they'll do something positive with, with their money? And that, I know that's something you offer with, with the big exchange, like, you know, social change is important, you know, positive change on the planet. So can you tell me how do you include impact and purpose in your investment strategy? Yeah, I think in terms of the big exchange as a business, you know, we we only look, any of the funds on the platform will all have been assessed for the positive impact decree. And in answer to your question about whether I think that is a way to engage women in investing, I think absolutely the answer is yes. And I think, in fact, leading with purpose first sometimes can lead to a better outcome when women are looking at investments in the first instance. That's not to say that financial return is not important because every customer that we have on the big exchange that I've spoken to, they're all want they're all investing money to get back more money than they put in, right? That's yeah, that's the baseline. Yeah. It's even better that they can do that knowing that they're also aligning those investments to things that are important to them. But I do think it's a great way to engage women in investing as a start point and then move more into the risk and volatility of it because there's a fine line with investments. The industry over the years has created this world where they make it sound really quite complicated, which has meant they've alienated and excluded people by default doing that. It's how you simplify that, but don't simplify it so much that you lose the essence of what it actually is. And I think for us at the big exchange, that's something that we really, really concentrate hard on is how can we strike that right balance between, you know, being transparent with customers about what it is that they're getting, but also not making it so complicated and jargon heavy that it's just not appealing to them. And that's something that we we really work hard on. In terms of the funds that are available, we look to partner with industry leaders and we're in the process of onboarding more funds at the moment. We've got 40 funds just now 
and we're hoping to get that up to about 60 in the next four months. Um, and we'll continue to look to industry leaders to get more funds on there that create that positive impact and have you know, good financial stats around them as well. And we'll, we'll talk about funds and maybe, you know, explaining what's a fund for people who are listening to, to the podcast. But do you think being, um, I mean, there's not so many women in, you know, senior positions in finance or women of color or, you know, black women. How can we change that? How can we have, you know, more women actually working in finance, see more women, uh, you know, leading change in finance? Because I, I believe that can have an impact on, you know, also helping more women, uh, more, you know, m minorities actually getting started and investing their money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for too many years in the finance industry, you know, I would walk into a meeting room and I would be the only woman walking into the meeting room, you know, and there wasn't really a great amount of diversity in any way, right? Like yeah. gender, colour, you know, neurodiversity. There was a lot of people that looked the same or the, from the same class you know, had the same, exactly the same life experience in terms of growing up. And and I do think that there has been some good progress in the industry around that. You know, there's still definitely a long way to go. I think, I mean, my local women's football team, Glasgow City Football Club, they ran a campaign where all the women in the team, you know, went out to local schools and they were talking about you can't be what you can't see. And... Yeah. I do think that there's an element of truth in that for the financial services industry, that if, if it's always men talking about money, if it's always male senior leaders, you see, if the advertising is testosterone heavy, which you've seen over the years, then women just step off it because they want to see somebody like them. It's like so many things in life. You want to see somebody like you doing doing that and that helps guide your way so I definitely think there's a long way to go I certainly have seen some really good positive change in the industry in terms of women involved and now the big exchange we've got you know lots of asset management partners and thankfully there's lots of women involved in that and we spend a lot of time with them but for me it's really about does our business you know creating marketing campaigns when we are talking about money Are we just talking to men or are we just talking to a very specific segment? Because if that's the case, then we're not doing our job properly. We want to be inclusive. Yeah. I think a lot of the time over the years, some of the asset management industry and finance industry did that without even thinking, right? Because yeah. it was men that were creating the campaigns and it was men that were, you know, doing everything to do with it. So we need diversity, not just in the boardroom. We need it at every level in the organization to create that change. There's good progress there, but definitely a way to go. I'm pretty sure that I'm the only um, female MD of an investment platform in the UK. Yes, and I'll be. I'll be sure to be flying the flag uh, for, <laughs> for women, both as in senior positions, but also as investors. No, th thank you, thank you so much. It's 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 so important, and yeah, we'd like to see some more diversity in the financial services, and that having that kind of a big impact on level of wealth. So I was looking at a few statistics, and in 2017 and 18, I mean, these are the, the most recent reported stats from HMRC. Uh, 3.6 million British women and 2.9 million men opened a cash ISA account, but yet in the same year, more men held a stocks and share ISA, 1.3 million, when compared with women. So women are great at saving, but actually we don't necessarily go into investing by opening these stocks and share ISAs. 
you talked about the the jargon uh, that can be a bit off-putting and i know i mean you told me an anecdote that you were uh, you know chatting with your with your children uh, about you know the maybe the big exchange and or maybe the, the products you were putting on, on on your platform and checking you know do the kids actually understand this yeah. um, so i think the jargon is a big thing and, and you're trying to do a lot with that but there's also a misconception that investing is is equal to gambling um so i'd love you to you know talk a little bit about that and, and, and why it's it's actually not and it, it's really important to invest you know for the long term in something that's more sustainable yeah I think I mean it's really fascinating on the the stats the IC stats that you just called out there because you're right there is a you know there's a big gap there's a gender gap when it comes to investing right there there's whatever stats you look at you'll get the same answer and I think that we've definitely seen a kind of like slight change in terms of an improvement in the size of the gap but that definitely needs that's got a long way to go in terms of of improving i think there's lots of great things happening in the industry to try and change that your podcast being one of them everybody that works in the industry has to be really mindful about what we're doing and who it's speaking to and where also we're engaging with people I think that sometimes in financial services there can be a bit of arrogance around you know people come to you I think you have to go to where people are. So um, whether it's this podcast or whether it's, you know, a specific publication, seeing finances and financial conversations in a non-financial magazine or publication is really important um, because the more we can encourage women to talk about money with their friends, make it less of a, you know, because women don't tend to talk about this much amongst their friendship groups. So I think that that's really important. So I think all of that stuff can drive change. I think in terms of, for me, when I look at some of the information that's out there, I constantly question myself about, you know, the quality of that and what we can do to change it. I think that things like Asking people what their thoughts are to give you feedback is like super simple and really important. So yeah, I think that there's lots of activity that we can do to change it. I mean, me talking to my kids is a great one. I also run things past, you know, my girlfriends who are all a very diverse group of people. So yeah, I think I think that there's there, there's lots to be done there. I've done a, a lot of focus groups with women in particular over the years and the various jobs that I've done and gambling is one that always comes up and I think that image of men sitting behind screens shouting buy and sell and you know looking at the ticker screen running across the top kind of willful wall street stuff probably gives you know it gives that fire some oxygen the big thing that I always say to women when I'm talking to them about whether it's like gambling is that the biggest difference right is that when you place a bet the person you're giving the money to want you to lose they don't want to give you any money back that's the that's the outcome they want whereas it's the opposite in investments everybody wants that money to grow right the company that you've invested in wants to give you back more money than you invested because that means that they've been successful the fund manager if it's a fund invested in a group of companies how they make money is by growing the size of your investment so that's the the real stark difference is that gambling the person taking the money wants you to lose. Investing, the person that's taking the money from you wants you to gain money, wants to improve the amount of money that you get back. So th that's the biggest difference. And it is a really, it's it's an unfortunate misconception about financial services and one that I'm, I'm really keen to 
make sure everybody understands it is absolutely not the same. No, th- thank you for that, uh, Jill. It's it's super important to understand. And, and if we just take a, a step back, I think t- today when we talk, I mean, in this podcast, we, we're talking about investing and investing in the stock market means, I mean, usually investing in, in stocks. So basically acquiring a very small piece of a company, you're going to be exposed to, you know, the growth of this company, whatever income this company maybe want to pay or extra income. You can also invest via via funds. And instead of being, you know, exposed to the company of just the, the performance of just one company, then you can have a basket of, of a lot of, of different companies. So that's what you will find in, in funds. You talked about risk uh, earlier on and, and maybe your, your perception of, of risk and, and, and we can talk about volatility. I think risk is is big words and it's very hard for anyone to understand how risk works if they've never invested any money. And usually when you, you know, you, you join the investment platforms or you decide you want to start investing, um, if you choose maybe bundle of funds, you always ask, you know, what risk do you want to take? <laughs> what type of investors you are? So if you've never done that before, how can you understand, you know, what is the level of risk you're, you're willing to take with your investments? You're right, Emily. It's a really, it's a really good question and one that is often the stumbling block for new investors is how do how do I know what risk I'm willing to take, right? <laughs> um, I think the way that I, I always try and simplify these points as much as you can to drill it down to what it really is saying, right? So risk in its most simple form is the chance that you're going to sell those investments at a loss, right? And the main factor in that is your time horizon. So if you only want to invest for, I don't know, five years, say you've got £100 that you're willing to invest for five years and £100 that you're willing to invest for 20 years, I would suggest that on the one that you're willing to invest for 10 years, you want to take less risk than the one for 20 years because it's the time in the market that will change that. So I do think that you really have to, when when you're going to ask the answer the risk question, the first question I would ask yourself is, how long am I willing to invest this money for? And that will help form your answer. I've got three kids, right? I've got a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old. And if I'm only starting a university fund for my 16-year-old now, I probably want to take less risk with that. But if I want to start a university fund for my 11-year-old, I could probably take more risk with that because the time horizon's longer. And that's how I would always suggest that people look at it. Don't start thinking about risk until you know how long you're willing to invest for. Yeah. And what's, you know, the, the relationship then with, with volatility? Because people can see, I mean, there's been a lot of activity in the markets you, and volatility is just, you know, how, how big is, you know, the difference between a high price and a low price and how prices move. If you've never invested before, you started to buy maybe a few shares, how can you react and, and think about the market with, you know, maybe taking a, a step back or, or, you know, looking at the big picture instead of, you know, being like a trader on your on your iPhone and, and trying to to buy at a low price and sell at a high price and, and because this this is actually extremely risky. Yeah, I think if you know you're going to try and time the market, you know, and buy low and sell high, the likelihood of you getting that wrong is really high, right? Because <laughs> you're not in control of what those prices are doing. Um, I think in terms of volatility, the way that I always again it for me it comes back to time horizon. If the intention of you investing 
is to invest for the longer term, then volatility is almost irrelevant because you're putting the money in and you're leaving it locked up in the market. It's time in the market as opposed to timing the market that's important. So I think that you have to understand when you go in, if you're going to buy an equity in, I don't know, an emerging market country, it's likely that that's going to be more volatile than a UK equity. It's likely that a UK equity is going to be more volatile than if you invest money in a government bond. Those things are all true. But what really matters most is the time that you're willing to be in the market. For example, your pension, if you were to sit and look at the value of your pension fund every day and all this volatility was going in the market, it would probably give you a lot of anxiety. But the reality is it only matters when it comes to you drawing out your pension. It's just understanding that volatility is a byproduct of investing. You will experience volatility at some point. I would caution against reacting one way or the other to that. I mean, if if you genuinely think that the market's really high, you know, and you want to step off investing, that's fine. But I just think that those decisions are really hard for investors to make. There's professionals yeah. that have been in them, you know, doing this for years that can't make those calls. So yeah, I would I would encourage not taking too much action in volatile markets. And uh, and we talked. I mean, when when we spoke last week, we talked about diversification, and that's a word that you know it, it can be complicated. It it can alienate people. But I mean, how do you choose between uh, you know buying a few shares or actually uh, going and buy funds? I mean, what's the benefit of of buying you know a lot of different things that will maybe you know react differently? So I think in my mind, if you're new to investments altogether, I think funds are a good place for you to start. I don't think going and picking individual stocks if you're new to investment is necessarily the best way to get your first experience. It's good to get a fund. There's lots of funds out there that they've got a very well-versed professional fund manager that's you know doing all the research on those companies for you and understanding whether they are a good investment or not. Um, and they're, again, coming back to that point about the difference between investment and gambling, that investment manager is looking to grow your money. That's that's what they want to do. So I think that that's a great way to get started. Cut your teeth, if you like, in the world of investing. And there's all sorts of different funds. So you can you can invest in a multi-asset fund, for example, that gives you really good diversification. Or you could choose, you know, I don't know, that you've got a particular type of investment that you want to fund. And I think that, that really comes down to personal choice. But I do think I would encourage people that haven't invested before and are thinking about it to start with a fund. And if you're worried about volatility or you're worried about, you know, wanting access to your money quickly, start with something pretty cautious and then work your way up as you become more confident and begin to understand a bit more about how those investments perform. Yeah. And, you know, thanks to to the big exchange and some of the platforms, you can actually you know, go on these platforms and, and choose a portfolio that's going to be already built for you. So there's going to be already like a selection of funds. So that's also a good way maybe for people to, to get started. And so for those who, who just want to go and do it themselves, how do you, you know, look for funds or look at funds? What should you look for basically? So I again, I think that Certainly on the big exchange, we have got um, three baskets of funds that are on a risk basis, Emily. So you come on and you have a look and you say, you know what, this is the kind of level of risk that I'm willing to take. And again, I'll 
just repeat my earlier point, think about how long you're willing to invest your money for when you're doing that. Obviously, everybody's circumstances are different. I clearly can't give everybody advice, but that's a general rule of thumb. In terms of what you look for, I think these risk-based portfolios, ready-made portfolios are a great place to start because it allows you to invest a little amount of money. So for example, you can invest £25 a month in the big exchange and really start to understand more about that. I think if you want to really understand every type of investment, you can end up having to really spend a lot of time doing research and that's fine. There's there's lots of good information on our website and others' websites in terms of what's fixed income versus equity. And, and I think that that's really important that you kind of work out the difference between them and the risk profile between them. But I'm also a fan of just getting started. And yeah. if, you, if yeah. you constantly think about all the reasons not to do it, it's really easy to to not take that step. So I would I would suggest, you know, looking at some of these baskets of funds on a risk basis. And even if you're starting out cautious to begin to understand more about it, I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, and and I went actually on the on, you know on, on your platform and and it's it's such a good way for you to you know research fund and learn just by you know going onto these um, investment platforms website see how they build their portfolio high risk medium risk low risk start searching see the selection of funds you can even go you know a step further and look at you know what's in the fund what's you know the strategy of the fund what are the fees that's really important so you know doing your own research looking at the different um, uh, platforms. And, and you actually learn a lot by by just doing this. Can I ask you, Jill? I mean, we, we've seen a lot of new platforms on, on the market that will allow you to trade very quickly from your phone. You can even buy fractional shares. So like just, a, you know, a piece of a, of a share with no commission. So it's been fantastic to see, you know, more people getting started with investing. I think there's a big hype around investing at the moment, especially around, you know, tech stocks or cryptos. And I'm just worried that I see a lot of people who don't necessarily understand how investing works, how you generate, you know, returns, what are the risks and just jumping in. So while it's amazing that people get started and they will learn, you know, what are the risks and what are the things we, we should, you know, keep in mind when even when we're using like these types of, of platforms? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good point, Emily, and it comes back to that balance for me. So there's ease of access and making something so simple that, you know, to use. And then there's making sure everybody's informed about what it is that they're doing, right? So um, we're, we're all now in that era where, you know, we're programmed to scroll through and just say accept terms and conditions because it's just too much effort to read the detail. So I think that for me, Listen, I think crypto as well, we've got people accessing crypto now that are maybe accessing crypto and they've never invested in a fund before, you know. So I'm not sure that I think that that's the right place for anybody to start. And the same way, again, I think I'll give you a perfect example of this. My husband, who, despite my job, invests via his pension, right, and has got like a an ISA that invests in but he also likes to think of himself as somebody that can, you know, look at a stock and, you know, think that's that looks like a good good idea. I'm going to invest in that. And he's done that a few times over the years. And I would say that he's probably bought 10 individual stocks and two of them have worked out. So I think that there's a lot more risk in you going in and picking an individual company as a starting point. That's not to say 
as you learn more and get more confident that that's a bad thing to do. I just think it's not the right entry point. There's lots of ways that you can get to that point. But yeah, I genuinely don't think you should start there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and that's fun. But you need you need time. You need to you know the the understanding. Um, you need to do your research. So yeah, I will, I will keep it as a you know um a small part of yeah of your of your portfolio. Jill, I have three uh, quick fire question for mm-hmm. you. Can I ask you what is the best financial decision you've ever made? Oh, it's a good one. Best financial decision I made was buying a flat when I was twenty, which I was terrified to do, but I did it anyway. well done and the worst financial decision um not starting investing early enough and the things you spend the most money on at the moment i've got three teenage boys so that would have to be food emily Uh, (laughs) we're all in the house all day every day and i wish my investments uh what i invest my money in every month was as great as my food bill that's all i'll tell you on that that's crazy. I have I have two young boys, so I'll uh, you know I'll call you in a few years' time, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much. It was it was fantastic to talk about investing with you. I'd love to know, Jill, what's maybe the the most important thing you've learned o- over the years that's you know related to investing. I, th- I think the high level thing for me for investing and most of the things to do with businesses don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Yeah. That goes for investing and everything work-wise and probably some personal stuff as well, Emily, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I, know. Just, I was a great fan of, you know, thinking I'll get to that. I'll sort my pension out next week or I'll do that next week. And it's really easy to do when you're busy. But yeah, I try and focus my mind a bit more and getting th- getting things done that are important, particularly for my financial future and that of my kids. Well, thank you so much. And Jill, just to, to finish off, do you want to tell us what's next for you and um, and the big exchange? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, as I said, are looking to grow our platform to have more funds on it. We want to also add more content and functionality, Emily, around the very topic of investing and create more content for people to access so that they can help understand a bit more about the investing world. So we're working on that just now. And we're also going to launch an app in Q1 this year that will not only have the investment capability on it, but also use open banking APIs to allow people to link their bank accounts and do budgets and set themselves investments and savings targets. So you start to get that real holistic financial view. Amazing. Um, and we can find you at The Big Exchange, so bigexchange.com. Do you have any other social media where we could follow you? Yeah, we're on Instagram, thebigexchange.com, and the same with Facebook as well. Amazing. Jill, thank you so much for your time today. I hope we'll meet in person very soon. I hope you know, you'll know you'll share the stage with me at a you know Vespot event or conference next year <laughs> or the year after. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having, having me on today, Emily. And Yes, I, like you, hope that at some point soon we can see each other in the flesh. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on Vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at Vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon.